Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hello, friend, and welcome to the show today. I'm so happy that you're listening in. And I'm really excited for you to listen in on the episode today. I am talking to my new friend, Becky Bodwin. She is the author of Enjoy Every Minute and Other Ridiculous Things We Say to Moms. And I had her on probably two months ago, and we talked about shame and the mom guilt that we can experience. And it was such a great conversation. And I heard back from so many of you that you really felt joined and you so related to everything that we were saying. And so I said, Becky, you've got to come back on here. So in this episode, we're talking about our need to control as moms and how difficult it is to surrender that control with our tweens and teens and young adults and also how hard it can be to watch them struggle. And I know that you are going to experience reassurance and you're going to be encouraged and you're going to gain some nuggets of insight and wisdom from our own experiences parenting our kids. So let's jump in. Welcome again to the show. I'm so happy that you are back with us. And I just love talking to you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be back also. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm just like, it was so fun talking to you before. And I had moms emailing me about how how helpful it was. And so I was like, okay, we're having you back. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I just want to start out, I guess you've had so many things going on recently with transitions and parenting and where are you at? Because last time we met, your daughter was getting married. She was moving. Yeah. There's something else now I'm forgetting. She was about to graduate college. Our first, you know, our oldest daughter getting ready to graduate college, then getting married. And then, um, yeah, that, that happened this summer in May. And now we are um, a few weeks away from her and her new husband leaving and going to England to live for a year. So wow. we've had, uh, we've had a great summer. Um, but I feel that we're trying to spend as much time together as we can. And we kind of all feel just this, like, it's going to be a big thing to say goodbye to them for a year. Um, 
And then my youngest gets her driver's license tomorrow. It's her 16th birthday. So, and our middle daughter stayed at school for the whole summer in Michigan. So she didn't come home. I mean, she's been home a few times, but she's living away for the whole summer. She got a car, she's working full time. So it's just been a lot of transitions and like big milestones, I feel like, and just letting go and getting used to a different season, a new season of parenting, young adults and one teenager left at home. Yeah, it, it is lots of, lots of shifting and lots of letting go, like you said. How are you doing with letting go? I mean, the letting go of control, when I think of a, your daughter turning 16 and driving, yeah. is it, has it gotten easier every time? No, you, no. <laughs> it did not get easier for me. No, it's like, for me, it's one of the worst feelings. I mean, it's just, it's really hard. And she's a very good driver. I mean, it's it's not a reflection on her. Um, it's just that sense of control. And um, one of the things I remember we talked about last time was creating a culture in our families where we get help. And if you want to go see a therapist and get some help, you can. So my husband and I actually found a new therapist and we are going to counseling after like many years ago that we went to marital counseling. And we kind of went in with a couple things in our marriage that we wanted to talk about after our daughter got married. And then it's kind of become a, t a place where we can go and each of us can talk about different things. And I remember the first week that um, the therapist said to me, like she kind of wanted to spend some time unpacking something with me personally. And I felt kind of bad, like, well, should I come back and see you privately? Like, I don't want Bernie just sitting here, like being bored because I'm talking all about myself. And she just said, I think that, you know, you've kind of carried this alone for a long time and it might be nice to have, to not have to do it alone. So that's kind of been her approach oh, wow. and it's been really beautiful. And one of the things that we unpacked one week was just my difficulty in letting go. And it's one thing to relate to your kids in the season they're in, but she really, she used the word over identification. So me kind of thinking, I know exactly what they're going through or just um, kind of replacing that sense of control that maybe I felt I had with worry, constant worry. And sometimes it makes me feel like I'm a, I'm a good mom because I'm so worried and I'm so concerned. I mean, so, and how that's taking energy away from me being able to enjoy this new season, which really I have more time, I have more freedom. My husband and I have more time together, but I was really just feeling the burden of just worrying all the time because they're gone. They're like, you know, there's more distance. I don't know if that makes sense, but. It's oh, it totally makes sense. Yeah. And I so relate to you that letting go of control and at the same time, the worrying, it feels like at least you're doing something. Yes. Because you can't control it. But if I'm worrying, yeah. then I'm doing something. I yeah. don't know. It's kind of a... You can feel that way. <laughs> know, but but you're really not way. doing anything. You're not... I, I can't do anything by worrying. It's just draining me, exhausting me, um, making me even sometimes feel a little depressed, I feel like. you know, oh, yeah. so. I think I'm trying, I feel like over time, my emotional 
boundaries have kind of become more unhealthy. So that's what I'm trying to focus on now is just like, what is in my control? You know, this situation, it's not in my control. It's not, it's not my life. It's not my decision. It's not, you know, and the other side of that is really just when we see our kids struggling and the things I'm worrying about is she really reminded me that it's when, when we struggle is when we grow. And I'm like, I know that I'm thinking I wrote about that in my book. I know that, but it's just (laughs) really like, I don't know. I feel like I would just feel so good if I knew that all of my kids were happy and everything was great. And I could just like, just relax and being, and that's not, um, I think the struggle is, is important. There's value in it. So yeah. then I would see in my role as more of a support. How can I come alongside and support so they don't feel like they're alone, but they have to work through the struggle. So, oh gosh, you said so many good things. Well, first of all, I love that you're going to counseling with Bernie because you're, you're in such a new phase with him, even though your daughter's 16 and she's still at home. Yeah. It's, I think that it's so important to do this work on our marriages as our kids are leaving, because that it, that's when uh, couples tend to get divorced. Yeah. The kids leave and then you don't have as much in common maybe, or it's been all about the kids or lots of resentment Mm -hmm. has built up over the years and it hasn't been flushed out. Yeah. So so that, yeah, you're being so intentional, the two of you just, I see this thing that's concerning me, but what if it gets worse? What if they yeah, start to the what ifs. go down the path a little bit more the wrong direction, in my opinion? Or what if they, you know, just the what ifs and then, yeah. Yeah. Who's relating moms that's listening? <laughs> the what if, the what if, and that I call it the fortune telling. I mean, I didn't make that yeah. up. It's it's what um, psychologists call cognitive distortion. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. We play it on in the future and then we catastrophize. Yeah. The what if, the what if. Oh, yep. But I so relate because I have, I struggled as a kid with anxiety. I had panic attacks. Yeah. I had some trauma early on losing my dad Mm -hmm. and I can see, and I am in counseling. I'm in a a group. I do one-on-one. But I've been thinking lately, you know, doing some maybe more work on like trauma work even, you yep. know, because it seems like it's more stirred up lately. And oh, I, yeah. for me, a little bit, and I don't know what that is. If it's the ages of my kids, mm-hmm. my daughter's in college now, she's going to get her own car. She lives in Fort Worth, Dallas, Fort Worth. She goes to TCU. And I'm thinking it's so hard to drive down there. I mean, yeah. for me, it's hard. So it's like, I'm always like worried about physical, I or not always, but what I tend to do is worry more about physical safety, mm-hmm. that something bad's going to happen, physical, oh, me too. you know, with physical yeah. safety. Um, not that I don't worry about the other stuff too, yeah. but I'm relating with the anxiety piece. Did you, or do you struggle with anxiety yourself? Well, yeah. And I think that's, I mean, I relate to what you just said. I grew up with a lot of anxiety. I had some trauma that I felt like I worked through in my early forties and now I'm almost 50. So I'm really just in my late forties, but eight years ago, 
I felt like I kind of worked through a piece of some trauma that happened to me when I was um, five or six years old. And, but it just has gotten stirred up again. And I think, I think that sometimes that happens, like you said, maybe the ages of our kids trigger certain things, but also I just don't think we can always completely resolve trauma all at once. It's like we can bite it off in pieces. We can work through stuff, but then I just look at it like anytime something like that gets stirred up, it must mean that there's still healing that I need. And that's just how I see it. So that was part of, that's part of what we've done in counseling. And she kind of said, I think I want to do some trauma work. And that's when I said, well, I don't, you know, Bernie's going to be bored. You're going to be talking just to me, but it really was, it just was amazing to have him just be a part of that and have him understand me better. Um, but the anxiety is something I've always had and it works itself out in all different ways, you know, and it's always, um, it's just, it drains me so much, you know, whether I'm where I worry about physical safety, like what you just said, I worried about what's happening right now and where is this going to lead them down the road? Yeah. And I don't want to see them go through the same things that we've struggled with. So there's a big part of me. Now I have a daughter who's married and my husband and I have gone through a lot in our marriage and I don't want to see them go through the same kinds of things. And yet what she said to me was the counselor that again, you know, but when we struggle, that's when we grow. And I'm like, I do believe that it's just hard to kind of make space for that with our kids and be able to say, yeah, I think we need to just trust that you're going to keep growing as you struggle through this. And I'm here, I'm here for whatever you need, whatever that looks like, we're here to support you instead of trying to fix it so that they don't have to go through it. Exactly. Well, and I was even thinking, well, of course, getting married, if you're going to have an intimate marriage, I used to think, (laughs) maybe you're like me, I got married and I'm like, we never fight. We just, we're so happy. We don't have any disagreements. And, you know, now I kind of laugh at that because I just wasn't consciously aware that there were a lot of things that I just hated conflict that I was a conflict avoider. But if you had have heard my prayers, they were all about fixing my husband. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. And, and, um, you know, I think, no, true intimacy and loving somebody, of course, you're going to have conflict. Of course, you're going to have to grow. Of course, you're going to have yeah, you know, struggles and challenges. And it's like that iron sharpening iron. But I, I just think, like you said, we know it, but getting it from our head to our heart. Yeah. And being able to just live, I think of that, you know, living lighter and freer and not carrying around these burdens that yeah. we're not meant to carry. Yep. And there's, I guess there's, you know, it's that continually transferring it, like, okay, I'm worrying, I have to literally, like, imagine myself holding on to it, and then giving it over to God. Yeah, you know, okay, I'm scared about this. I, I'm, I am giving it over to you, you know, yeah. and physically imagining that because it is, it's a mm-hmm. lot to carry. Yeah. And of course, like you said, then we can have our some unresolved things that are peeking their heads up that we need yeah. to work through too. Yes. Yep. There's always stuff that we, that we, yeah. and I, I'm like, well, well, I'm struggling and I'm growing, but I'm okay. And so I think 
it's really a great thing for our kids to be able to see us continue to do that all through our lives to just keep, um, you know, what can we, what can we talk about? What do we need to maybe address and what kinds of things can we, can we work through and keep growing through? So, um, yeah, and, you know, recognizing that our kids in many ways, they're, they're more equipped than what I give them credit for. And they really are, I don't want to say, you know, it's kind of a cliche, like you're stronger than you think, but in a way it's true. It's like, they're really, um, they surprise me sometimes, you know, with how they can move through things and just hang in there and figure out different, you know, solutions or something. Um, and they don't need me to be telling them what to do all the time at this stage as teenagers and young adults. Yes. Well, and I'm so glad that you said that because what we end up, we don't mean to, but we send that message to our kids that we really don't believe they're capable. Yeah. And even the anxiety I found when I was feeling anxious, I ended up make, you know, it was like I transferred that anxiety in my kids. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, I'm, I'm anxious, but now maybe I better really be anxious because mom's really anxious around this. And we had to, yeah. you know, then it makes so it true. so much bigger yeah. and, you know, getting in there and trying to fix something, it, you know, it can be like, I don't think that you're strong enough to handle yeah. this. And I was thinking to your point, when we were talking before we went, I hit uh, record just how keeping the relationship with our kids open Mm -hmm. is the most important thing. Having, focusing on that. And if we're focusing on the control, we're not really in the moment. Right. Everything that could go wrong or what can happen. Yep. You talked about your daughter coming, coming home after a breakup with a boyfriend. Yeah. And you were able to do it differently. Well, yeah, this was, um, talking about keeping the relationship first, even with teenagers and, you know, you set limits, you have rules in our family, we have a curfew. So she, this is Kate uh, when she was a senior in high school and she had a boyfriend and this was like the third night and they were up late talking. They were, you know, she had missed curfew. This was the third night in a row. And she would text and say, like, we're talking about something. I really can't come home. I need, like, more time. But um, this was the third night. So I was frustrated. I was thinking, okay, this is the third. I'm tired. I, I don't go to bed till they get home. I just can't sleep. It's part of that anxiety thing. Um, so I was like, you need to come home now, you know? And she texted me and said, I think we're breaking up. And I was like, okay, well, um, I said, are you okay? You know, do you need me to come get you? He was going to drive her home. And so she came home maybe like an hour late and I was sitting there and I was going back and forth between being worried about her and feeling such compassion for her because I remembered what breakups felt like, you know, and how difficult that could be, but still being frustrated because the time was ticking away and I was tired and I just wanted her home. And then I just had this thought, like, I only get one chance to do this moment right now. So when she comes in the door, I just want to be ready to just welcome her and let her be where she's at. And she came in and I just, I didn't scold her and say, man, you know, it's like the third night in a row or whatever. I just didn't say anything. And she just came right to me and just 
I took her in my arms and she cried. And it's like, we had her and I had been like butting heads. I mean, she was a senior in high school. We had a ton of conflict, but in that moment, I remember thinking like she needed her mom. And I was grateful that in that instance, I was able to, to be there and to keep her relation, the relationship first and to just go after her heart. And, you know, it wasn't about the curfew, you know, Yeah, it was about, and that's happened in other situations where, you know, even if, even if there is disobedience or a rule is broken or my kid lied about something or whatever, you know, that has to be dealt with, but I want to get to what's underneath that. You know, why did you feel like you had to lie to me? You know, why can we talk about that? And to just keep, I think going after their heart and trying to get to what, what is underneath, but it's so hard. It's so hard to, for me to not just react out of frustration, you know? Yeah. I, I, I think that um, it is hard and that's just like a wonderful, I don't know, sticker to put up on our computer <laughs> little mantra to say, you know, yes, that has to be dealt with, but how can I approach this where I am going to make the relationship be in first place? Like, how am I going to, because if we can learn how to do that and cultivate that close relationship, our kids will be more open to hearing what we have to say. They'll feel more safe. And, and like you talk about in the book, also like, heard, you know, that we are, we're seeking to understand where they're at in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I love you no matter what, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And that I feel like that trickles into everything. Like if we can put the relationship first and remind ourselves how, how important that is a lot of the other issues that we have, I feel like work themselves out. Yeah. But if we're focused on like, yeah, that bad behavior Mm -hmm. and punishing them and being punitive, but not really wanting to look, see their heart, that's when they're going to rebel. They don't want to talk to us. Yeah. There's that disconnection. Have you found, found that to be true in your own relationship with your girls? Oh, definitely. And some things are harder than others for me to get to what's going on in your heart. Like, with my oldest daughter, again, like that last year of high school was just combative between the two of us. And I, it still has taken me, I I still don't always get it, but when she gets really stressed, it just comes out as like rudeness. And, and I just couldn't deal with that. You know, she would just be really rude. And all I could think is this is not acceptable for you to talk to me this way. And, and that's true, but I wish there were a lot of moments that I wish I would have been able to just say, you know, can we just take a time out? Are you feeling really stressed? Like, you know, is there something that you're really anxious about? Because I think if I could have done that, I think we we could have gotten to what was below that the rudeness, you know, up here was underneath. There was, she was just, she holds all the stress inside and that's what comes out. And I had talked before about, for me, it's anger. My anger would come out and underneath it was fear. So I think, um, and I just, it happened so many times that after the fact, I'd realize, oh my gosh, she's so stressed about what college she's going to go to and the ACT test. And she's so stressed about this class at school and she has a friendship situation going on or whatever. And I didn't know that because all I was, all I was reacting to was the attitude or the rude behavior and not 
digging a little deeper to try to figure out what was going on. And how much would I appreciate that if my best friend or my husband were to say like, are you okay? Like, you know, is there, are you, are you upset about something? Are you worried about something? You seem kind of short with me, but there might be a reason why, like, I would appreciate that. That would, yeah, that feels so different. Yeah. And somebody just to, uh, being on the attack. Yeah. Uh, versus, are you doing okay? Like, what's, yeah. what's going on with you? You. Yeah. I care yeah. about you. You know, yeah, I okay? care about you mm-hmm. rather than you're so disrespectful. How yeah. dare you talk to me like that? But it's, it's Which hard is, yeah. to be, um, not be reactive in those moments. Yes. Do you feel like you've become more skilled at not reacting? I do. I think it's gotten better. It also may be because my kids are leaving home, so I don't have all three of them at home anymore. Um, it's kind of like that so many people say, like, my, my parents are such great, they're wonderful grandparents, so much different than what it was like when I was growing up in their own home. I could see that happening because I think as you get older, you know, I think part of it may just be that they, they're out of the house and they've moved on. But I do think that I've learned, and I think with my youngest, and it's also different to just have one kid at home. I feel like I'm experiencing things much more like present in the moment with her than what I did when the others were at home. Cause I had three kids at home and I just feel like my attention was divided. Um, but I do think that I've, I'm learning and becoming more skilled the more that I practice. And I, you know, I'm just kind of trying to approach conversations differently. You know, I'm, I'm not at all saying we should just be permissive and just let our kids like walk all over us and be rude. Cause we see a lot of that too. And, that has to be dealt with, but I just think you can do that. You can deal with that while at the same time connecting with their hearts, you know, and I think our kids will get it. If they see that we are, that we really truly care about what they're struggling with and we want to connect with their hearts, they're going to understand that maybe they get their phone taken away for a couple days because of what they did, or maybe they got grounded because they lied and said they were somewhere when they were really somewhere else. I think they can understand there's consequences and accept it a little easier if they see that we are also, you know, trying to connect with their heart. Yeah. That we're for them. Like you had said, and that we care. Yeah. And I always say to the moms, they really do want boundaries and they're Mm -hmm. two separate things. It's like, they need to be heard. We need to be curious. We need to seek to understand. And they also need those limits or boundaries or consequences. Yes. But they need both. Yeah. I think that um, Henry Cloud and John Townsend say it well. They say they need grace and they need truth. Like the truth part is the boundaries, the limits. Yes. But then they need that grace and that understanding. Yeah. And I always thought I liked that. Yes. I actually, um, I referenced John Townsend in his book, Boundaries with Teens, in the teenage uh, chapter on my book. And I, I talk about this idea, like just wait until they become teenagers, because it's something that people always say. And it just like, it makes parents so afraid for the teenage years to constantly hear that. But um, I have a couple lists in that chapter. And one of them is from the book Boundaries with Teens. And it's Dr. John Townsend just talking about the challenges of raising mm-hmm. teens and some of the some of the characteristics that can be common. So when I included this list, I, you know, some things are like they can have a disrespectful attitude, you know, towards parents, family, and others. 
They can challenge requests or rules. They can be self-absorbed. Um, they can be lazy and careless about responsibilities. They can be emotionally withdrawn and moody and, and all these things. And I, when I wrote this, I thought, okay, this is going to, some parents who read this, if their kids are younger, they're going to think, oh, my kid will never do this. Or they're going to think this sounds terrible. Like I am <laughs> dreading the teenage years. But some parents who read this, I think if they're in those years are going to be so relieved to know that like, okay, it's not that my kid is horrible. It's that this is common. This is something that is really common among teenagers, just the, the stage that they're in. Um, but then the other list I included in this chapter is from our former youth pastor and friend, his name is Scott. And all three of our girls had the privilege of being under him and his youth ministry. And he's been working with teenagers for decades. And so I emailed him, he moved to California, but I just said, can you tell me a couple things that you love about working with teens? And I thought he'd give me two or three and he sent me an entire list. But some of the things I love, um, what he said is that they have passion, that they ask probing questions. Um, and if they know you're taking them seriously, they'll share their thoughts and opinions and maybe even ask you for yours. This is one of my favorites. He said they have half a century or more of life in front of them. So anything they discover as a teenager literally has decades to grow and bear fruit. And I really love that. And I especially, I mean, I think that includes what we are teaching them. You know, they're like, mm -hmm. it's like the mm -hmm. seeds that mm -hmm. have been planted within them. They have decades for all of that to grow. And they're, you know, so what can seem sometimes like they're just choosing a different path and they're kind of pushing away from maybe some of the things we've taught them or values we have or beliefs we have. Um, it's not the end of the story. They're, they're pushing away, but I think that over time, those seeds will grow. And, um, you know, so that gives me some comfort, you know? Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I love that too. And it's funny because I just did for the membership, I just did a workshop on boundaries. And then I, the one I did last week was conflict and it talking about, I use a lot from, from that book is boundaries with teens. It's such a good book. Yeah. But it helped me because when my oldest, who's now 31 was a tween, I didn't know those things were normal. Yeah, I really didn't. I thought my kids, I was the one in the camp that my kid's not going to be disrespectful. They're not going to be moody. They're, I don't know what I was thinking, <laughs> but now I understand it serves a purpose. Like they're arguing because they're trying to figure out who they are yeah. apart from us, Yep. that they're, they're wired to become more independent. So the reason that they're this way, that they're at, they act that way and they push away and they want to become more independent and they're seeking out their peer group is they're needing to learn how to be in the world for when they do leave the nest. Yeah. And yet to expect them to know how to do that responsibly at this age is expecting an awful lot yeah, because they've so never, true. they've never learned that right. how to, how to express their anger responsibly. So yeah. How we can plant seeds is if we can learn how to be more responsible with our anger and our emotions mm -hmm. and to give them the space to talk about how they're feeling. It's very counterintuitive, but that's how they're going to learn yeah. how to be more responsible is by actually 
seeking to understand, like giving them, but it's a messy process. I mean, it can be messy. And I think that's actually what's so, what is challenging is that it requires more from us because if we didn't learn how to do this, we don't know how to do it. It's really important that we learn how to do it so we can help our kids do it. So I can see the fallout of those areas where I didn't know how to handle my anger responsibly. Like you said, with your anger, it was difficult to help my daughter to do that until I really worked on my own anger. Yeah. So good, good stuff. Yeah. So much, so much to think about. And to know. I love what you said when you were talking about that they're pushing away and they're, you know, but they don't know how to do it in a way that feels really good and is like really respectful and nice. And I really was just thinking of giving birth and how giving birth is such a messy, painful (laughs) experience. It's not like this real easy entrance into the world. It's, you know, I don't know what it's like for a baby being born, but I know what it's like to give birth. And I just think the whole thing is just, it's hard. It's a lot of intensity. So I think it's kind of the same thing, launching our kids into the world. It's not a smooth, it's not always a smooth, pretty, really feely good kind of experience. And for me, I have experienced sometimes that pushing away feels like rejection too. And that's something that I've had to remind myself over and over again. This is normal. You know, this is, it's a normal thing. And it doesn't feel good, but it's, it's necessary, you know? Yeah. I th- and I think a lot of times the closer your kid is with you, the more that they have to do that yeah. in order to leave. I noticed each one of my kids mm-hmm. as they were getting ready to leave, like senior year, it seemed like it, it upped the ante. I don't yeah. know, like where they were just you know, maybe moodier, grumpier. And yep. I and I do look back on that. And I think that was partially they were scared about leaving. Yeah, but they still felt like they were ready. But they had to put oops, had to push away from me. Yeah, it just, you know, I hear that a lot, too. I do, too. And I experienced yeah. it. And I've heard so many moms say, almost like with some kids, almost by the time that time comes, everybody's like, yep, it's time. It's time for you to go (laughs) to to school because it's like this, it's just, it's a necessary thing. We wouldn't want the, we wouldn't want it any other way because our kids are supposed to grow and mature and leave and find their way, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I, I hope moms, as you listen, you're feeling encouraged that you're not alone in this and that whole letting go process. It's, it's kind of like shedding skin or there's something about that transition and just, I don't know. It's like, yeah. it is like you said, a uh, rebirthing in a way, like mm-hmm. going through that's a messy process. Yeah. So uh, there's so much that we can talk about. And I know, I feel like we've gone on and on. I did want you to just in closing, share about the story because I think this will encourage moms because we were talking about letting go of control and the ways that we can go get in the way. And you wrote a blog post for us um, about the letting go process and how it can be painful. And it was about the yellow cup and it's actually mm-hmm. in your book too. Can you share what happened sure. to your daughter and yeah. what that was like for you and that's yeah. 
Yeah, this kind of touches on the letting go. And then also just that whole idea that our kids will grow through their struggle. But um, Kate was 18 and it was her senior year. She called me at work and she was crying. And when I heard that, my heart just, you know, sank. And I just, you know, thinking what happened. And she had just gotten off the phone with the admissions counselor from the school that she was hoping to go to. She had been invited to apply for a merit-based full-ride scholarship to this private school. It was really the only way that she could go to this college is if she were to get the scholarship. Um, and Bernie and I were just sure she was going to get it because we thought she, we know she's amazing. We thought for sure, you know, that she would get it, but he called and said she didn't get it. And we had been there three weeks before for the interview and um, we'd visited the town. It was so cute. And we kind of walked around and um, she already had a lead on a job in the admissions office. And we were imagining what life would be like her being at the school. So this was really devastating. You know, for her, it was so disappointing for us as parents. So I left work, I came home. And as soon as I walked in the door, I just went into full fix it mode. Like I I hated that she was going through this. And so I went to her sisters and said, you know, Kate didn't get the scholarship. So just don't ask her anything about it and just leave her alone, give her some space. I texted my sister, Carrie, and my best friend, Margie, and said, you know, Kate didn't get the scholarship. Please pray for her and pray for me. And then I walked into the kitchen and I saw this yellow mug on the counter. And she had bought this mug when we were in on that trip in this little college town at a coffee shop and she'd been drinking her morning tea out of it every day for three weeks. And when I saw it, I just thought it's, you know, I said to my husband, he was washing dishes and I said, Bernie quick, you know, wash that mug and give it to me. I'll dry it and put it away in the cabinet behind all the other mugs. And um, so I did. And later when I told my friend Margie that I, you know, put the mug away, she she kind of asked me, you know, why did you move the mug? And I thought it was so obvious. I just said, well, because I knew it would be painful. I knew that I felt like it would be salt in her wounds, you know? Mm -hmm. And as I began to unpack that, I started to see that um, it was really about my discomfort, you know, because if you think about that situation, anybody in that situation coming in and seeing that mug, they might do a number of things. They might cry They might take the mug and throw it up against the wall. They might throw it in the garbage. They might calmly go to the sink and wash it and dry it and put it away themselves. Like there's a whole lot of things that they could do. But the point that I think she was trying to get me to realize was that could have been part of her process, you know, of seeing the mug in real and thinking, oh, you know, what do I want to do with this mug? Now, I'm not trying to beat myself up because I'm a loving mother and I was just trying to do what I felt was helpful. But the other thing that caused problems there was that I reached out to my sister and to Margie and told them. And my sister immediately sent Caitlin a text and said, I'm so sorry, I'm praying for you, I love you. And the truth was that Kate didn't share with anybody for a couple of days what had happened. And I shared her news with people before she was even ready to share her news. So that was another thing that I did. Um, Again, just trying to, and part of it was me needing support as a mom. That was something that we actually talked about with a counselor and kind of worked through my overstepping and my over-involvement. But um, 
I realized, you know, as we talked about that, at one point, Caitlin said to me, and you touched on this earlier, she said, did do you really think so little of me that you thought I wouldn't be able to get through this? And when she asked me that question, I just thought, oh my gosh, like I, what, what felt like very loving actions for me to kind of insert myself into that picture and try to clean things up and make things a little bit easier really was communicating a message to her that I don't think you can handle this. I don't think you can get through this. And I didn't believe that, but that's what she, the message that she, that she was receiving. So um, it was just one of those things that we kind of worked through and it's such a, and I thought back to when the girls were babies, the pediatrician told me, you know, they need tummy time. You need to put them on their tummy so they can build those abdominal muscles. And I would do it. And all three of my girls hated it. And they would cry as soon as I would put them on their tummy after just a few seconds. So I'd flip them back over because I didn't want to hear them cry. And all throughout their growing up years, it would happen if, you know, they didn't make a team or maybe um, one of their friends in their group was mean to them. And I knew the mom and I'd have to stop myself from sending a message to the mom or sending a message to the coach or a teacher um, wanting to intervene to try to smooth things over or make a situation better instead of seeing the value in them struggling and getting through something, realizing that they can get through it, that God can help them. And then again, like being that support person, I wish if I could go back and do it over, I wish I could have just said, what do you need from me? Is there anything I can do to help you right now and let me know when you want to talk and, or would it be okay if I texted Margie and Carrie just to let them know so they can pray for, you You know, like just learning to be more respectful in that process. Thank you for sharing that. Gosh, so many moms can relate. It's just such a good example of, we want to Like you said, I'm the loving mom. It just didn't, didn't register didn't translate. you were due, but I yeah. love that you were open to hearing her feedback and how wise she gave you a gift to yeah. say that to you and that you were able to take that in, even though that maybe was painful to hear, Yeah, to listen to her feedback that mom, did you not think I could handle it? Yeah. Um, and being open and receptive to that. And then you're looking at, you're open to looking at, okay, how, how is this playing out? And if something struck me, I think it's so important for us to have a place we can go where we can talk about it yeah. when we want to jump in and rescue. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about like the inner circle that I have where yes. moms come and I know you lead small groups with moms too, where you can like talk about it, call and say, oh my gosh, I'm in so much pain because they didn't get accepted. And then if we can process what we're feeling, then we're less apt to react out of that place. Exactly. Because sometimes it is more about my discomfort of seeing, like, I didn't want to watch that yellow mug scenario play out. I didn't want to watch her come in and then see what would happen. That was going to be really hard. So I just, I just removed it, you know? And one of the things you had asked me was like, so what happened? Like, what's the end of the story with her? And, you know, if I were to just say, I could just say some facts and make it sound like everything just ended up the, you know, like, we'll say, well, everything happens for a reason, you know, so (laughs) she didn't go to that school because the truth was even with the best scholarship they could give her, 
it was double what this other, her second choice was. And we really wanted them, our kids to just, this is what we can afford. And we don't want you to have all these burdens of, you know, school loans. And I mean, you're already going to have some, but we didn't want it to be too much. So I could just say, well, she went to another school and she did great. She graduated in the top of her class and she got scholarships and came through and, you know, came out of college without any debt. And she met her husband there and make it sound like, see, it was all perfect. <laughs> yeah. But those things are true. But the reality is that she went to this school, a great school. She worked her butt off. She was an RA for three years. She worked at the admissions office um, long hours and earned as much money as she could. She had some really hard semesters. It was very challenging. She did meet her husband and now they're starting their life together, but nothing was perfect. And it was, there's still struggle, but I do feel like it, she, her second option ended up being great, but nothing was perfect. And I think that's another thing that I think this whole illusion of happily ever after, it's just, it's just never the way that it goes. You know, there's always going to be whatever path they take, whether they go to this school and have this experience or this school and have this experience, they marry this person or they marry this person or whatever. There's always going to be challenges um, but she grew a ton and she learned so much through everything that she's gone through and it's equipped her to face the next challenges that are in front of her. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Thank you yeah, for sharing that. And what a good friend, Margie. Margie yes. She's the you best. have and Margie. Yes. We need friends to say, don't do it. Yeah. We need <laughs> friends to say, why did you move the mug? Why did uh, you do that? Why do you think you did that? You know? Um, absolutely to help yeah. us see things that we can't see. Yeah. My daughter had some hard news to tell my husband and I so badly wanted to tell him first, just so his reaction wouldn't be over the top. Yeah. And I, and sometimes I would do that, but this yeah. was a situation where it would not have been the best, yeah. you know, would not have been the right choice. And I did, I called somebody and I said, I want to let him know. And they were like, no, you, this yeah. is in between them. Yeah. You need to let her tell him not, mm -hmm. you know, get out of the middle, you know? Yeah. And so I oh, was able so to good. do that, but it was scary because yeah. I didn't know how he was going to respond. I thought that might be hard for their relationship. If he's really mad. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. us wanting to kind of control as much yeah. as we can. But that's so good that you went to a friend. And that was something that my daughter came to see, like when I texted Carrie and Margie, you know, it was like, it's a fine line there because I said, I, I need these women to help me. It would have been even worse. I would have done more things, you know, <laughs> yeah. Margie was there saying like, hold on a second. Like there's yeah. a process here that she needs to go through and you can't fix this for her. And so I think that Kate also was able to see, I depend on these women to help me. And they are for her and they love her and all of it was okay. I don't think there's any bitterness or anything unresolved because we worked through it and we, we both learned a lot through that. So there's so much grace for yeah, all the times we yeah. don't get it exactly right. Very much so. Especially yeah. if we're willing to say, hey, I would have done that differently. Yeah. Learning. We're learning and growing right along yeah. with our kids. Yeah. So, 100%. well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so oh, much thank you. for 
being here again with me and we'll have you back again if you're willing to come back. I love, I love getting to talk with you. Thank you. Yeah. And tell them again where they can get, find you, get your book. Yeah. So um, my website is just my full name, which I'm sure you'll have on the podcast, but it's beckybaldwin.com. And then the book is called Enjoy Every Minute and Other Ridiculous Things We Say to Moms. You can find it on my website, but it's on Amazon. It's on it's at walmart.com. So you can find the book in different places too. Yeah. And it's wonderful, moms, because you have questions. So it's really a good book to do with a group. It is. I have groups that are um, several groups that have done it together. The questions are right there at the end of the section. So you can do it yourself and kind of even just reflect on the questions. Um, you could do it with a friend um, or with a group. That's what, That was my dream when I wrote it was just that moms would be able to read it and then connect with each other and kind of have those friendships, you know, kind of go through it together. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Maybe next time you come back, we can talk about the marriage relationship and how you parent when you're not on the same page. That's been coming up a lot. And okay. I know she have a chapter about that too. I do. I have a big chapter on marriage. The myth yeah. there is um, kids come first. You can work on your marriage later. <laughs> <laughs> so just really, and you know uh, what? I use all these yeah. myths as really just a structure yeah. and a way to talk yeah. about all of these things that are so important. Yeah. So, oh gosh. Well, yeah. we'll have a good laugh with that because we've all said that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, Becky. Well, thanks. And I uh, appreciate you so much and what you're doing out in the world. Thank you. That's it for today. And thank you, friend, for listening in. And I have a special request. I would love if you would leave a review if you're enjoying this podcast. And if you listen on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen, if you would just go to the review section and leave a review, I would so appreciate it. I really want to get the word out and get this to more parents and caregivers so that they can benefit from everything that we share here. Also, check out momsoftweensandteens.com and you will find tons of resources and links to support you on your parenting journey. So thank you for joining me today and I will see you back here next time.